welcome to the 86th episode of the podcast F4. We're calling it that since it's easier to say than food and frightening film fanatics. Before we get started, our usual disclaimer, heavy spoilers ahead. Turn back now if you haven't seen these movies. This week we're talking about a creature feature, and that is Piranha. There are five movies total in the series. Also, I re-recorded this because uh, I think the, the first one was just too long, so hopefully this one will be better. The first movie, Piranha from 1978, screenplay by John Sales, director Joe Dante, you remember him from Gremlins, The Howling, The Burbs, etc., produced by Roger Corman, who we have talked about many, many times before. Um, he wrote the book, How I Made a Hundred Movies, in Hollywood and never lost a dime. He uh, had many people who ended up being influential directors and actors working for him at one time. Um, and he also produced one of my favorite movies, Attack of the Crab Monsters. So I'm sure we'll be talking about him again. I think he's produced like 500 plus movies. Um Anyway, very prolific, kind of known as a B a B movie uh, director producer. Um, this movie was also co-produced by John Davidson and Chaco Van Leeuwen. Sorry, I messed up his name. Starring Bradford Dillman as Paul Grogan, Heather Menzies as Maggie McKean. Excuse me, you'll remember that she was in The Sound of Music, and she was also married, the original Sound of Music, and she was also married to actor Robert um, Ulrich. Shannon Collins is Susie Grogan, his daughter, Kevin McCarthy as Dr. Robert Hoke, Keenan Wynn as Jack, and Barbara Steele as Dr. Menders. Obviously, you remember her from tons and tons of horror movies. And... Another familiar face, Dick Miller as Buck Gardner, and he's been in tons of stuff as well. So that was the first Piranha. The next Piranha movie is called Piranha 2, The Spawning, a.k.a. Piranha 2, Flying Killers, from 1981. So three years later, screenplay by Ovidio G. Asinitis, again, I've screwed up the name, James Cameron, and Charles H., uh, Eagley as directors, and of course you know James Cameron from tons of big blockbusters, including Terminator, Aliens, and Titanic. Um, this movie was produced again by Chaco Van uh, Leeuwen and Jeff Schechtelman, starring Trisha O'Neill as Anne Kimbrough, and Lance Hendrickson as Stephen Kimbrough, um, and he also did lots of work with uh, James Cameron, including Aliens and Terminator, and Ricky G. Paul as Chris Kimbrough. The third movie is a remake. It was a made-for-TV movie that appeared on Showtime in 1995, just called Piranha again, or Piranhas, plural, um, so 1995, that was 14 years after the second movie. Screenwriter Alex Simon, directed by Scott P. 
Excuse me, Levy, produced again by Chaco and Mark Elliott, starring William Cat as Paul Grogan. You would probably remember him best from the TV series Greatest American Hero. Alexandra Paulus Maggie, you probably remember her best from Baywatch. And Mila Kunis as daughter Susie, obviously. She's done lots of movies recently, got one of her starts um, early on in that 70s show TV series. The fourth movie is Piranha 3D from 2010. So 15 years later, Peter Goldfinger and Josh Stolberg. Um, let's see. Well, I don't know what they did. The director was Alexandra Aja, who did The Hills Have Eyes, High Tension, etc. Produced by Aja, Mark Canton, Mark Toparoff, and Gregory Lavasser, starring... Stephen R. McQueen, and that's Steve McQueen's grandson, Jessica Zohar, Jerry O'Connell, Richard Dreyfus, Christopher Lloyd, Elizabeth Shue, Andrew Scott, Kelly Brook, Riley Steele, Ving Rains, and Eli Ross. So there's a bunch of famous people in that movie. And then lastly, at least for now, is Piranha 3 Double D from 2012. So two years later, um... Director was John Gulliger, producer Mark Canton, Mark Toporoff, and Joel Sozin, starring Danielle Panabacker. We talked about her when we did uh, Friday the 13th. She's also been in The Crazies, Mr. Brooks, and played Killer Frost on CW's The Flash. Uh, Mark Bush, David Kochner, Chris Zilka, Katrina Bowden, Gary Busey, um, Christopher Lloyd, and David Hasselhoff. So a lot of famous characters again in this. The carryover characters from the previous movie were Deputy Fallon, by, played by Ving Rhames, Carl Goodman, played by Christopher Lloyd, and Andrew Cunningham, um, played by Paul Shear, who is married to June Diane Raphael. And incidentally, they have a great podcast called How Did This... Um, how did this even get made? Which talks about like really bad movies and their spin on them. So that's a lot of fun if you want to check that out. There's also another movie that has nothing to do with this franchise. It is called Piranaconda, in case you hear of it. Uh, it's a lot of fun, but again, not part of this franchise. Where can you find these movies? Both Piranha movies are on Amazon Prime. Double D is available for $4. Piranha 2 is on YouTube for $4. Piranha 3D, the only place you can find it that I know of is on iTunes for $10. And none of these movies are on Netflix, Hulu, Shudder, or Tubi. Rotten Tomatoes scores. First movie, critics gave it 69. Audiences gave it a 42. Piranha 2, critics gave it a 60, I think, no, a 6%. Single digit and audiences gave it 11%. The Piranha Remake, no rating by the critics. Audiences gave it 21%. Piranha 3D, critics gave it a 74. Audiences gave it a 49. And Piranha 3DD, critics gave it a 13%. Audiences gave it a 22%. So you can see from that that um, most people, both critics and audiences, preferred, you guessed it, Piranha 3D. Now, on to the plot. I'll do my usual. I will read the brief IMDb synopsis and then just go over the plot briefly. So, the first Piranha movie, IMDb says, 
When flesh-eating piranhas are accidentally released into a summer resort's rivers, the guests become their next meal. So two teenagers go skinny dipping in a pool one night, and then something attacks them and they disappear. Maggie is a private investigator hired by the girl's father to find them, and she enlists Paul to help her. They find the facility in Dr. Hoke. He was involved with something called Operation Razor Teeth. Um, They were tasked with engineering a strain of piranha that would endure the cold water of the North Vietnamese rivers and inhibit Viet Cong movement. This project was shut down when the war ended and some of the mutant specimens survived and Hoke tended to them to salvage his work. Maggie accidentally released the piranha into the river. Oops. And they headed downstream to a water park that had a children's day camp, which Paul's daughter just happened to be at. So the two of them decide, eventually decide after some people die to kill the fish by opening the tanks from, I guess, a nearby runoff smelting plant. I don't know. Uh, Anyway, something like that. And the problem is the controls to do that are underwater. So Paul has to dive underwater with a rope tied around him while Maggie waits in the boat and counts. Um, And then she's going to pull him out of the water, which she eventually does. But he is badly injured. That's it for the first movie. Now, Prana to the Spawning, IMDb says, A scuba diving instructor, her biochemist boyfriend, and her police Chief ex-husband tried to link a series of bizarre deaths to a mutant strain of prana fish whose lair is in a sunken freight ship off a Caribbean island resort. And then, of course, the usual happens. They end up blowing up the sunken ship where the piranha are hanging out. And that's all I'm going to say about this movie because it's just bad. It's painfully bad, and I've seen a lot of bad movies. Uh, The dialogue is horrible. The acting is horrible. I'd say skip it at all costs. It's it's just bad. Next up, the Piranha remake. IMDb says, remake of the classic film, Tale of Nature Biting Back. When flesh-eating piranhas are accidentally released into a summer resort's river, the guests become their next meal. This is the same plot as the original. Uh, it has a little bit more of a spring break vibe. But basically, it's a do-over. Piranha 3D. IMDb says, after a sudden underwater tremor sets free scores of prehistoric man-eating fish, an unlikely group of strangers must band together to stop themselves from becoming fish food for the area's new razor-tooth residents. This movie is considered a uh, horror comedy, and it has prehistoric piranha that are a lot bigger and a lot meaner than the fish in the other movies. Uh, it's a blood fest all around. The special effects are great, even now, I think. And in the end, in the last scene, we find out these fish are just babies. So, you know what that means. So it had a fun ending. Um, and, of course, left the, um, the ending open so that there could be another entry in the franchise. And then there was Piranha 3 Double D. IMDb says... After the events of Lake Victoria, the prehistoric school of bloodthirsty piranhas make their way into a newly opened water park. A guy opens a water park for adults, and it's equipped with stripper lifeguards. He is piping water from an underground lake. Is that a bad idea? Yep. 
Um, the prana here, of course, are bigger and meaner and this time around are learning how to walk on land, apparently. So that's pretty funny. And that's the last entry right now. Who knows if they'll make another one. Um, they can get any money out of it. I'm sure they will. Now, on to trivia. I cut out a bunch of the trivia from the first time around because it was just boring. Um, so hopefully this is better. Universal Studios attempted to sue New World for spoofing Jaws. However, Steven Spielberg saw the movie Piranha in advance and loved it. After that, Universal dropped the lawsuit. The piranhas are done by attaching rubber puppet fish to sticks. The film was reported to have been shot in 30 days for $660,000. Spielberg described the film as the best of the Jaws ripoffs. He and Joe Dante later collaborated. The director later collaborated on Twilight Zone, the movie. Richard Dreyfuss, who plays Hooper in Jaws, later had a cameo in the opening scene of the 2010 Piranha remake. A waitress from the Holiday Inn, where the director and crew were staying, stood in for Heather uh, Menzies during the topless shots. Menzies was concerned that her husband, Robert Ulrich, as we said, might not approve of the nude scene, even though she had posed fully nude for Playboy in 1973. The extras were all paid $5 a day and given a box lunch. The score cost $10,000. Barbara Steele's role was originally written for a man. Here's a strange and sad coincidence. The main leads, Heather Menzies Ulrich and Bradford Dillman, died in real life within four weeks of each other over the December 2017, January 2018 period. Peter Fonda was originally offered the role of Paul Grogan, but turned it down. Originally, Maggie was supposed to count to 300 instead of 100 in the climax of the movie. This is when Paul was underwater trying to... Uh, turn on the controls for the smelting plant. Um, this was later changed because in all likelihood Paul would have drowned underwater by the time she counted 300, so she ended up counting to 100. Mike Baker was originally tapped to provide the makeup effects. He recommended 17-year-old Rob Bowden instead. The film had some documented production problems, including last-minute cast changes, underwater cameras that kept breaking, union woes, unusable second-unit un second footage. It still became one of New World Pictures' biggest hits. The special effects apparently cost $50,000. Doctors Hoke and Mingers correctly pronounced the fish name as Piranha, rather than the common mispronunciation piranha. So I didn't know. That's how you say it. One of a cycle of the 1980s and mid-1970 movies that got made after the box office success of Jaws. These include Jaws 2, Jaws 3D, Jaws the Revenge, Orca, Tentacles, Killer Fish, Barracuda, uh, Tentoria, Killer Shark, Blood Beach, Piranha 2, The Last Shark, Up from the Depths, Humanoids from the Deep, Screamers, Devilfish, and Mako, The Jaws of Death. Um, there is some trivia about uh, novelization of these movies, but uh, I just cut it out.
Uh, if you're interested, they provide some of the backstory on some of the characters. The film was designed to jump on the huge success of Jaws, as we already said. Corman was known for producing films that were veiled imitations of more successful movies, but it still took a further three years to raise the money to make the film, and by that time, Jaws 2 had already been made. Uh, interesting aside, when the two main characters are exploring the cluttered lab, a small two-legged humanoid lizard creature uh, skitters across a countertop without them noticing. The stop-motion monster was an homage to Ray Harryhausen, and it was Joe Dante's hope to bring the creature back for several times throughout the film, growing bigger each time. However, of course, he ran out of money, so that was the only um, appearance of the creature. According to Dante, in the DVD commentary, the noise that the piranhas make are created by dental drills. The breed of piranha, according to the novelization, is Brazilian. I don't know how many different kinds of piranha there are. Uh, director Dante once said he and collaborator Roger Corman would submit this and other movies to the MPAA, make the suggested cuts to avoid an X rating, and then reinsert them before the movies were distributed to theaters since the MPAA didn't follow up on um, the movies once they had assigned the final rating. The effects crew released the piranha rehearsed the piranha effects in the pool of the Holiday Inn where the crew and actors were staying. Um, end credits. Uh, creature design and animation is listed as by Phil Tibbet. He later formed Tibbet Studios, which was received dozens of awards and more than 30 years of making special effects. And lastly for this movie... Belinda Belisky's death scene was shot in a pool. 30 fake prana were attached to her body with gaffer's tape, and a bunch of crew members pulled her into the deep end of the pool with ropes to make it look like her character was sinking into the water. Corman demanded a reshoot because he thought the first version didn't have enough blood. On to Prana 2, the spawning or piranha flying fish. In an interview... Cameron said this movie gets better halfway through when seen at a drive-thru with a six-pack of beer. Although this is the first official directing credit for James Cameron, most of the work was actually performed by um, Avito G. Asantis, the film's producer and prolific filmmaker. He had made a deal with a small label at Warner Brothers for a budget of $500,000 to produce the movie, provided an American was credited as a director. After considering Miller Drake as director, but finding him unsuitable, he gave the job to Cameron after being impressed by his special effects work on Galaxy of Terror from 1981, but what he really wanted was a first-timer he could easily step uh, sidestep in order to take over as director something that he had already done on Beyond the Door in 1974 and Madhouse in 1981. According to Dreaming Alive, a biography of Cameron by Christopher Hurd and The Futurist by Rebecca Keegan, Cameron worked on the film's special effects, rewrote the script, created storyboards, did location scouting, and actually filmed for four days. However, um, Asantis 
called most of the shots, continually questioning Cameron's decision, did not allow him to watch his own footage, and finally fired him on the fifth day of shooting, reportedly because Cameron's footage uh, wouldn't cut together. Obviously, he was set up. So, uh, no wonder Cameron doesn't claim this is his first movie. This is only one of two Cameron films not to be scored by James Horner or Brad Fidel. Um, the credit, uh, let's see, it's Stevio Soprani is credited as Steve Powder did the score on this movie. James Cameron reused the flying piranha effects in the movie Aliens, so those turned into the face huggers. In an interview, Cameron jokingly said, I believe the spawning is the finest flying fish piranha. The spawning is the finest flying piranha movie ever made. Um, Ascentis was to produce a third entry in the piranha series in the early 90s, but the proposed third entry would never materialized. Um, and there's more things about Cameron in here, but basically we already know what happened with that. According to Lance Hendrickson, making this movie was the most trying time in his life production-wise. The film's European producer... Asantis wanted to spend only $300,000 on the film even though he had made a deal for $500,000 which means they had to cut the cost whenever they could. The original director of the film was Miller Drake who had started his career as Roger Corman in Roger Corman movies but disagreements over the script caused him to be fired and then we know James Cameron took over and what happened after that. Um... Hendrickson had to provide his own clothes. He even made his own gun, like out of a piece of wood, apparently. Um, he noticed a shark-dressed waiter that was the same size as him, and he asked him to sell him his uniform for 75 bucks. He also had to use his well-shaped pen as his police badge, and epaulets that showed his rank so doesn't sound like a fun time all the way around also he was almost killed by a helicopter um, as Cameron wanted an explosive finale he added to the script that Hendrickson's character jumped out of a helicopter to save the drowning family I found that very strange when I watched it because I'm like well why would you jump into a boat that's where the problems are but the helicopter was a Jamaican police helicopter used to chase drug smugglers and was piloted by a professional pilot. However, at some point, a boat struck the chopper, almost hitting Hendrickson's legs, so the pilot had to raise the chopper quickly, and in a maneuver, Cameron accidentally dropped the shooting camera into the sea, where it was never recovered. Both Cameron and Hendrickson considered themselves lucky to still be alive after that. Additionally, during his scripted jump, Hendrickson almost broke an arm and his boots immediately filled with water as soon as he landed and he almost drowned. I'll say that was a bad shoot all the way around. 
One of the locations that Cameron had found for the movie was a morgue, a real morgue, but when it was time to shoot, the crew had found three dead corpses, one being a little girl and one which they had opened for an autopsy. They tried to hide away the bodies as best they could, um, but they had to shoot anyway. Then eventually the hearse showed up to pick up the bodies, when hearse drivers finally came to collect the bodies during a lunch break, one of them dropped the autopsy body, calling, causing gallons of real blood to spill over the floor, which Cameron had to clean himself because he, before he allowed the cast back on the set. Um, let's see. We already talked about Miller Drake enough, I think. Trisha O'Neill plays the lead in this movie. She would later go on to have a small part in Titanic, another movie directed by James Cameron. The piranhas in the sequel develop an additional skill that they did not have previously in that they could fly. As of 2017, this is the only fictional feature James Cameron has directed that does not have a title starting with the letters A or T. His other theatrical film was a similar... Uh, Uh, was a IMAX documentary called Ghosts of the Abyss from 2003. Joe Dante was considered for the director of this, so he would return for a second time, but he was already working on The Howling. While difficult to be certain, the shipwreck where the flying piranha made their home in the film appears to be that of the Oro Verde, a 131-foot vessel intentionally sunk on May 31, 1980 for the purpose of creating a reef. It sits about in about 50 feet of water just off Grand Cayman's Seven Mile Beach. Uh, the Prana Remake. This is Mila Kunis's film debut. Rather than shoot the new special effects for the film, Corman simply recycled the effects from the original. Sets and props were also designed to look like the first film to help accommodate the recycling of the special effects. Even though special effects had made considerable progress in 1978, stock footage was still used. Star of the movie, Alexandra Paul. As I said, also appeared in Baywatch. Bill Kunis appeared in Baywatch Aftershock in 1994 and Baywatch Hot Stuff 1995, presumably shot before and after this movie. Producer Corman cut close to 10 minutes of film and script footage, which added a great deal of humor and character development to the proceedings, much to the chagrin of the filmmakers and the cast. And lastly, the first half of the film is a nearly shot-for-shot -shot remake of the original Piranha movie, even using the same dialogue. Very little has changed in the first half other than the main character, who is a male, is now a woman. That's the doctor when they go to see who, um, how the couple drowned in the pool. While the second half does not retain many plot elements, as many plot elements the first, the military showing up has been completely omitted. And this version features more female nudity. Piranha 3D. 
Director Alexander Aja planned to have Joe Dante and James Cameron play boat captains who give safety lessons to the teens. Dante wanted to, but Cameron was too busy. That would have been fun. 1,112 boats were used for the Spring Bake Massacre set piece. That's a lot of boats. Kelly Brook and Riley Steele spent two weeks training for their nude, synchronized underwater swimming set piece. No cuts were demanded in this movie by the MPAA. The film was not screened for critics, although unusual for some circumstances, the critics actually liked it. The production crew estimated that there were 75,000 gallons of fake blood used each day. The film was actually shot at Lake Havasu, Arizona, a popular place for real spring breakers, not on Lake Victoria. Producers debated using the real name, but opted for a fictional one for various reasons. Girls Gone Wild mogul Joe Francis, remember him? wrote a letter to producers saying he was angry at the film because of Jerry O'Connell's character who owned a site called Wild Wild Girls, which is a spoof of the adult video line, and that he might take legal action if, quote, any defamatory or disparaging statements or depictions in the media or in the film itself or other statements that pertain Mr. Francis in a false light will be met with swift litigation. Uh, and Jerry O'Connell didn't do much to solve this uh Dispute because he kept saying he was playing Joe Francis whenever he was interviewed. This film marks the third time that Alexander Aja has directed a horror film remake. He previously helmed The Hills Have Eyes, which we already talked about, and Mirrors from 2008. Included in the end credits is a shout-out for the Society of Amputee Surfers. The film has a poster in the style of Jaws, um, with a monster at the bottom of the sea and a potential victim on the surface high above. Kelly Brooke auditioned with American Accent, is deeply disappointed. Audra, who called her back and asked her to speak in her na- natural British English accent. He felt the character would be much more appealing if Brooke played her in her normal voice. Some of the shots of Spring Breakers are genuine. Uh, Gianna Michaels was a last-minute replacement for Natasha Nice, who got arrested while working on a hardcore movie prior to the shooting of her scene and was unable to do the small parts. A spoof ad campaign suggests the film should be considered for Academy Award. During the climax, Greg Nicotero, uh, of Walking Dead fame, can be seen carrying the top half of Body on the Beach. Richard Dreyfuss worked for two days, and Christopher Lloyd only worked for one. The film was shot in 2D and converted to 3D using the really D conversion process developed by the company InnerD. Unlike other 3D converted films, the movie was always planned to be 3D. Adam Scott told an interview that making the film was like making Apocalypse Now, not based on on the enjoyable experiences working with other actors, actresses, or Aja, but because it was brutally hot on set in Arizona, Elizabeth Shue responded to being told of Scott's comment, saying, I'm glad he said that. Despite prominent billing, Lloyd and Dreyfus each just get a few minutes of screen time. The Spring Break Massacre, 
piece took nine days to film. Shu and Lloyd appearing Back to the Future Part 2, Back to the Future Part 3, and 20 Bucks from 1993 together. Um, and Matt Boyd's fishing scene, that's Richard Dreyfuss, not only is he dressed like his Jaws character Hooper, singing Show Me the Way to Go Home, as he did aboard the Orca, future references to the Jaws franchise, including the brand of beer he is drinking, Amity, and in a nod to Chief Brody's famous line regarding needing a beer boat, he is set in an incredibly small 1950s vintage one-man fishing boat the size of a bathtub. This movie was shot in 42 days. Um, Eli Roth uh, got sick during the filming of this. His eyes were really uh, bloodshot, and he ended up going to the doctor, but they decided that it was sunblock that had gotten into his eyes that caused his eyes to be so irritated, so he just switched sunblock. Uh, when Richard Dreyfuss was interviewed about the film, he explained, I don't know anything about Piranha other than the work I did on the film. I worked for two days in the middle of the desert, got my check, and then left. I don't understand 3D. I didn't understand 3D in the 1950s, and I can't say I get it now either. I just don't see what the big deal is. Steve and R. McQueen, as we already said, is the grandson of Steve McQueen, and... His father, uh, Steve McQueen's son, is Chad McQueen from The Karate Kid. Elizabeth Shue was already in The Karate Kid. And executive producer Alex Taylor's father, Jude Taylor, was in The Great Escape from 1963 with Steve McQueen. Jerry O'Connell and Richard Dyfus appreciate previously appeared together in Stand By Me in 1986, even though they were not in any scenes together. Um, watch the last rolling end credit. There are a few seconds of extra footage after that. Elizabeth Shue's character, Julie, is called Jules, just like her CSI crime scene investigation character. Uh, Jerry O'Connell played Derek Jones in this and played Derek Feldman in Scream 2, as well as Richard Dreyfuss playing Matt Boyd in this and playing Matt Hooper in Jaws. Cameos. Ashley Brooke, Gianna Michaels, the adult film actresses played victims. Michaels played the parasailing girl. Brooke played a member of the cheerleading team who is cut in half by loose cable wire. And Adam Scott plays a character named Novak, a possible reference to Orca from 1977, in which one of the characters has the same name. Both characters even get killed in both movies, except Novak gets killed earlier in the film by the Orca, while Novak in this film gets killed in the very end. Prana 3 Double D. The film grossed 95% of its box office take overseas. It was particularly popular in Malaysia for some reason. Everyone got to keep a piranha fish egg when filming was done. 
Daniel Panabacker had to face her fear of water while acting in the movies. Puppets were used as much as possible for the prana and then 3D um, uh, special effects was CGI was over that. Most of the actors and actresses were giving scuba training. This is particularly useful, of course, for Panabacker. Christopher Lloyd, Paul Shear, and Ving Rhames all reprised the roles from the previous movie. The open shots of Lake Victoria as a ghost town were filmed at the Salton Sea in California. At the height of its release in the U.S., this film was only ever played on 75 theaters nationwide, so not much. A Chihuahua dog was used by the Piranha for the Piranha Growls. This movie was shot in 25 days. Um, this film was intended to take place around 5 to 10 years after the events of the first film and would have shown the fully adult piranhas as implied by the end of the first film. Deputy Fallon's gun leg was built in a single night. John Gallagher wrote the two songs David Hasselhoff sings in the movie, and I think Hasselhoff brings a lot to the movie. It's a lot of fun with him in it. Uh, filming was intended to start January 2011 in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, for a release date in August, but it was too cold um, at that time, so they had to find another location. Hasselhoff was introduced at an Applebee's restaurant in an earlier draft of the film. This is the first entry in the Prana franchise that is entirely filmed in 3D. According to the director of the first film, he had intended for the sequel to take place in Thailand with a much larger Prana attack in the third act during a major festival. About 57 minutes in, when Hoff runs to save a young boy, he runs in slow motion to the theme of Baywatch. Uh, so that's really about it for that movie. Now to body count, I'm not sure if this is accurate or not, but this is where I saw one place. The first Piranha movie, 27 deaths. Piranha 2, 28. Piranha Remake, 17. Piranha 3D, 44. And Piranha 3 Double D, 36. So the record goes to Piranha 3D with 44 deaths. Why should you watch these movies? Uh, some of them you shouldn't watch. I would suggest watching 3D. It's, it's a horror comedy. And the CGI Piranha are fun. Uh, and they're big and, and mean. And... Besides that one, I would suggest probably watching the remake just to see uh, what the original story was. But I would say avoid Prana 2 at all costs, as I said previously. Now on to the recipe. This is a weird one. You know what I'm going to do. It's going to be Piranha Soup. So there is a website called flavorsofbrazil.blogspot.com. I'll include the links. And it includes something called caldo de piranha, which is piranha soup. Now, obviously, you're probably never going to find any piranha to make soup out of. But it is interesting to note that 
Um, it's a main staple during the rainy season um, in Brazil. And so that's why they included uh, the recipe here. Um, obviously, piranhas are only available at the local markets there. Uh, the geographical range of this fish is traditionally restricted to South America. So here it is, just in case. And because these fish ate a lot of people in these movies, it's only fair that uh, people do the same. So here's the recipe. Four pounds piranhas, approximately ten fish, three cloves garlic crushed, three tablespoons fresh squeezed lime, one tablespoon white wine or um, cider vinegar, salt and pepper to taste, half a cup plus two tablespoons neutral vegetable oil, two large tomatoes, one large green bell pepper, one medium onion, one tablespoon green onion chopped, one tablespoon cilantro chopped. And um, I'll include the rest, like I said, the link to the rest of the recipe in the show notes just so you can see that so where to find us we're on itunes spotify and stitcher please give us a five star rating if you like what you're hearing we need all the help we can get we're also on twitter at food and fright contact us by email at food at gmail.com or check out our website at food and frightening film so that's it for this week. Hopefully this recording was much better than the first one. And that's it probably for the creature features for a little while. And um, watch out for piranha and sharks and pretty much everything else. So just stay in your house. You should be safe. Um, stay safe. The pandemic's still not over. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye.